sorry. Um, <clears throat> someone, someone was posting pictures of of asses in the private chat, and um, I got distracted by the butts. I got distracted by the butts. Um, anyway, tonight we're going to talk about um, shit. Uh, fashion ask. What do you think an author should do if they notice that the story they have completed, um, that one of their character arcs isn't fully developed as it should be? Now, that isn't her. That isn't the entire question. Maybe I'll go over to my site and get the whole question. Cause I, sh- I, I, I didn't copy and paste it right when I was making the um, the what's it, the who's he, what's it. Um, so, you know what I mean? Um, and I forgot to um, edit it, so now i got to find the... Where the fuck is that page? I'm on the wrong... <laughs> it might help if I wasn't on rough trade. <laughs> Obviously, I shouldn't be trusted with shit this evening. Um, I was like, where, where is it? Where is it? But I was on rough trade, not my own site. Duh. Um, it's an interesting question to 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 explore um, from a writing point of view and from a reader's point of view. Um, but one thing I wanted to address about your question before... Um, I dig uh, too deep into the rest of it, is that, okay, you said um, you'd been reading a lot of Harry Potter these days, and um, it had changed your feelings about the books um, now that you're older regarding the character arcs. And you said that Ron's character arc was never never followed through. Like, he never really confronted his insecurities and his jealousies. And basically what you're saying is is that he never turned into a good person. And... um, and that you thought that the author had dropped the ball with that. Um, I think what you're overlooking is that it might have been her intention for him to end up that way as an adult. Just because he didn't grow up to be um, great didn't mean um, doesn't mean his character wasn't developed fully. That he grew up to be an asshole could have been her plan the whole time. Personally, from the very moment that Ron is introduced um, in the book, I was concerned about him. And when we found out about Peter Pettigrew in book three, I thought, ah, okay. That makes sense because he's their Peter. And I thought all the way to, to the point where Voldemort kills Harry in The Deathly Hallows, I thought somewhere along the way, Ron is going to betray him for the final time, for the for the ultimate time. Um, and it, it never came, but I, but I was waiting for it because she built it up. So many times in the past, Ron had betrayed on Ron, Harry, and turned on him repeatedly, and then it happened again, and it happened again. And then he, he leaves. When they're in the tent, I thought, okay, this, this is the point. This is the point. He's going to turn. He's going to become a Death Eater. But he didn't. But I don't see anything about Ron Weasley as a character that's underdeveloped. He just didn't turn out to be a good person. And I don't necessarily think that's a flaw in her character development. I mean, there are people who might disagree with me, and that's perfectly fine if you do. I'm serious. You can totally disagree with me on that. Um, That's just my opinion about Ron, is that he never um, was meant to be... um,
Well, he was never meant to be as smart as Percy, as brave and as honorable as Bill, um, as strong as Charlie, as innovative as the twins. And he was never going to be any of that. And I think she told us that in the very beginning when she let him look in the mirror and see all the things that his brothers had won for himself. But then he never once tried to get any of it. He never worked for any of it. He was so completely lazy the whole time. So lazy the whole time. It was never going to happen. Um, So that's just my opinion of of Ron Weasley in general, in that I don't think he's underdeveloped. I think he turned out exactly the way she wanted him to turn out. I do think he's underutilized. But as far as being underdeveloped, no. He just didn't turn out to be a good person. And a character can be um, developed out the wazoo and, and not be a good person. Um, and so, yeah. Anyways, that's just my opinion. Um, <coughs> it's always been, I don't know, as that's just that's just my opinion about Ron Weasley in particular. Um, so your question is, is, what do you do after the fact? If you have, have you, now it, it honestly depends, but, um, um, since you since you said specific, specifically a posted work, I'm going to assume you're talking about fan fiction. Um, if it's a published work and it's out there, you've got your first contract for it. It's a done deal. That's but it's not really a done deal because that's your first print. Um, you can always go back and change it um, in a second edition, um, but those are kind of rare in today's fiction market. To be perfectly honest. Um, so, you know, you can move to a different publisher and have a different publisher for a book, and it might be edited slightly different, but the content will remain basically the same, unless you, re- unless you revamp it personally before you submit it elsewhere, um, and that's a whole new ball game, and we're not going to talk about that. So when it comes to fan fiction, um, once something's posted, uh, for me it's a done deal. I don't like to go back. I have, but I don't like to do as a rule. It's because I'm I'm done. I'm ready to move on. I'm I'm doing something else. I, I want to write about something else. Um, but I will say this: that's your shit. And if you want to get on there and change it all, you can. And there isn't a single person who has the right to tell you you can't. So if you see something that you've written and you've published it and you and it's on Ao3 or on your own website or on fanfiction.net, it doesn't matter where it is. Um, and you decide something about it is bothering you, and you want to change it, and you go into your writing, and you change it, and then you go up and you you edit it and post a new version over the old one. And you don't owe anybody an explanation for that, because that's your shit. I don't have to ask anybody's permission to change my shit, um, and neither do you, when it comes to your fan fiction. That's your stuff. You posted it. It's in your name. You can do whatever the hell you want with it, and you don't know you don't owe anybody an explanation. And that's true across the board. You don't owe somebody, anybody, a reader, 
a beta reader, reader, an alpha reader, you don't owe anybody an explanation as to how you treat your your own work. It's yours. And recently, um, there's been a little, there's been some shitty attitude about how rough trade is run and how works disappear, um, and then they're basically never seen again. That's one of the reasons why the Wild Hair Project is there for, for rough trade authors who are welcome um, to apply and, and join, because um, I wanted to give you a safe place to put your work if you want to do that. That being said, um, obligated to share your work. Ever. I have, and Lady Holder can attest to this. Um, I have public. I have posted on my website probably. I don't know forty percent of the work that I've actually written. She's saying twenty five percent. Really, you think so? Twenty five. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Twenty five to thirty. And yeah. some of it because remember. And so and some of it's finished. Yeah. But it's not ready. It's not ready for me to no, share. No, I'm not saying. And that's, I'm, and that's one some of the reasons why you're not you ready talk, to share. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and some of it is because I'm not quite sure of my of plot points. Like, oh, do I do I want to keep this? Mm-hmm. Do I want to keep that? And the other part of it is is that. I don't like sharing incomplete works. And I do do it, but I don't like it. Um, like Phoenix right. is, is is currently on Wild Hair Project um, because I had had it on my website, but it got kind of um, wonky as far as my database goes, and, it, and the page kept breaking. So I put it up on Wild Hair so people could read it because they had gotten used to it mm-hmm. being there and then wanting to read it. Um, but for the most part, I don't like sharing incomplete works. That That's why I tend to write in novellas and episodes because mm-hmm. I can write a complete episode, put it up, and I don't feel any pressure to add, say, a new chapter because it's an episode. It's complete. It's a short story. Which, okay, let's actually, people, let's talk about that really briefly. An episode is a short <laughs> story. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it is complete, and it will stand on its own. It's an episode because it's connected to other short stories. Mm-hmm. This is just me letting you know that. Yeah. There is actually more of Phoenix on Wild Hair than there ever was on my website. So if you've not read it since it went up on Wild Hair, you've got about 20,000 words extra material over there that wasn't posted on my website. Thank you. It's absolutely fabulous. I I enjoy Phoenix. I I do. Um, I I originally um, wrote it for my niece, but... Um, in the end, it w- that wasn't what she wanted. She just wanted a story um, where Harry and Hermione go to the Yule Ball together. So I ended up writing one for her, and um, it was it's forty thousand words. Uh, I put it in an ebook form, and I put it on her Kindle, and she's just as happy as she could be with it. And no, that particular story will never be available online. Lady Holder's <laughs> never seen it. I'm not. Nobody's seen it. Because it's for my niece, and also because my niece is very savvy. 
I don't want that little girl Googling phrases out of her little book and finding my porn website. Oh, my She's God. Nine. No. Yeah, that would be. Let's not do that. Because not Seriously, only let us not would do that. she find it, she would. She would share it with all her siblings. <laughs> and your siblings. Yeah. So, Mom, have you seen this? <laughs> My story's up on this site with all these dirty words. Yeah, I shouldn't laugh so hard, but yeah. <clears throat> Mom, why is Harry Potter spanking Hermione? <laughs> why is he kissing Draco? <laughs> Oh, no, she she totally ships that. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that one, at least. She said, uh, we were talking about um, favorite pairings in Harry Potter, and she said, mm-hmm. I said, well, what's the three people that you'd like Harry Potter to have gotten with, you know, to have been, um, to marry? And she mm-hmm. said, Hermione, Luna, and Draco. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, well, she has to our fandom. <laughs> Yeah, to be perfectly honest, I the reason I said 25% is you and I had gotten talking one day and you were you were kicking off on your fingers all the various things that you have. And there's those files your spouse um rescued and haven't seen the light of day. Or if they have, it's only been in your house. Um there's all the various books uh, notebooks that you've got that have got story ideas or chunks where you haven't done anything other than write them down. There's the stuff that's on your hard drive that I know I haven't heard hide nor hair of. And then there's the stuff that you've commented on that you have, and I occasionally see some snippets of it. And for you, a snippet is 10,000 words. Okay? Okay. <laughs> when, you're, when, you're on a roll for, when you're on a roll for one of your epics, 10,000 words is a snippet. Okay. Okay, so I right-clicked on my Harry Potter folder. I right-clicked on it Uh and look at the properties. Um, I have 903 files in 47 folders. (laughs) Um, Remember me saying about 25%? I may be overestimating. I I think that about 400 of those are actually images. Uh huh. Still, so 400 out of 903 files are actually images. Um, that leaves us 500. Yeah. And but you also you have to keep in mind that each... in this folder is Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, um, and mm-hmm. it is 30 episodes by itself. You know. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and then I have rough drafts and second drafts and. Um, so yeah. Okay, so but yeah, but my KM my my KM folder is mm-hmm. nine hundred ninety seven megabytes, two thousand five hundred twenty nine files, and two hundred fifteen folders. Yeah. Anyway, the point that. is is that. I don't often share um, work until I'm pretty much 100% done with it. 
Um, and then by the time I get to my website, I don't want to read it again for a while. I, I'm definitely not going to be writing on it again for a while. The exception, of course, being courting Hermione Granger. I really regret ending that story. I wish I was still writing it. You can, I have, you can just I write barely, episode two. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be an episode. It would be a book, too, because that's over 100K. Whatever. Okay, so it would be book two. All right, but still, that one is easily expandable into an arc if you really want to do that. But that's it's ninety thousand. Okay, it's, it's ninety thousand words. I, okay. You know, the thing is, is I don't often kind of fall in love with the project the way that I did that one, and I really did fall in love with it. It's, it's, yeah. Um, and I'm like, yeah, you know, there's, you know, I could do this or I could um, do that. <clears throat> from what I remember, when you were writing it, you were very. Um, it flowed very easily. The it was very, it was very was the, easy, right? Yes. The, the hardest part of the flow was the close to black because you felt like you were a creeper if you did anything else. And that actually was the hardest thing for you because you, you <laughs> the commentary was, I can't write sex in this in this story. I don't often skip the sex in a story, right? So when I, when I got to that part, right. I was like, I just can't. This is this is none of my business. I can't write this sex scene. I can't. This is no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I remember. <laughs> it was a really so, weird have... experience because <laughs> I have written some filthy Harry Potter sex. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's not really a blog that very I happy have. But um, yeah. So I don't even know. I don't even know. But I think that um, you can do what you want. Um, as a writer. Your goal is to not ever have this situation happen, but when it does and you recognize it, whether it's a character issue or a giant fucking plot hole in the middle of all your Harry Potter Sentinel stories, um, you either accept <laughs> it and walk away from it, or you fix it and post it. I mean, it's entirely up to you. Um, now, if it's um, a dangling plot point or Further characterization, of course, you can write a sequel. That is, again, something mm-hmm. that you can do. That's your, you can do what you you can do what you want. But um, it isn't often a choice I would make um, just to hammer out a character issue. If, if I'm going to write a sequel, it's because I have more story to tell. And not because I have issues with um, something I've done with a character or or whatever. One of the things that, that I found with um, With this particular challenge and the way um, I've gone about it is I, when I write, I tend to be exploring the, um, the consequences of what's happening as I'm, as I'm writing. So if you, um, for those people who don't know, I'm doing a Tony Dinozo on Atlantis and he is the, uh, agent of float and so he's an investigator and he's got to be able to do um, all the lab work which he's competent to do but one of the things I had to to realize is um, when you do something like that 
um, even if it was back on terrestrial Earth, you can't leave evidence unattended unless it's locked up. And it has to be securely locked. And that was one of the things that I was, as I was writing a scene where, you know, he's commenting that everything's locked up. Well, why, what happens if somebody can come in and unlock things? Well, not so much in this universe. There's, there's some ways around it, and I figured out how to make it work. But it's, you know, um, that could have been a very glaring pothole or plot hole um, if I hadn't realized it. And I'm, with the plotting I did, it made it easier for me to think about some of the minor issues that I don't normally do. So I'm hopeful that this time I won't have too many glaring holes. You know, so that way when I go back through and read it later, I don't see something wrong. One thing that I think helps me, um, and it might help you, Fashion, if you're, I hope you're listening, um, is um, I see more problems in characterization and in plot um, issues, plot with plot issues, in works that are posted as you write. I encounter more problems myself personally um, during rough trade events where I am working through, um, like I've already found a plot hole in my, in my work um, that I'm posting for this challenge. Um, that I'm just kind of having to smooth over in my brain so I can work on it later. Uh, and no, I'm not telling you what it is. Um, <laughs> and so I think that if you give yourself permission to not post as you write, but to to post after I tweeted. I totally tweeted. Apparently the tweet didn't tweet. I tweeted. Although I just wanted to say something. I wanted to say something else, but that's not a good, exactly a good word. Um, <sighs> Never mind. I think that if you um, if you're having an issue with this particularly is to pub, um to um to post completed works only for a while until you've hammered out why you're having this particular e- um issue. What is that noise on your end? The husband's watching Moana. It didn't show up on my Twitter. I'm sorry, but I did try to tweet. It just didn't work out. Yeah, so sorry about that. The husband's got Moana going, and he's realizing that um, the character in there, the girl, is mm-hmm. very much like our niece. <laughs> from from shape to attitude, and the love of the ocean. Take care. Um. <laughs> Um, um, I can't have um, that broadcasting um, on my show. It would be a copyright violation. Oh, okay. I'll, give you. I'll talk to you in a bit then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't even cross my mind. I was thinking, oh, that's really cute. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> 
you got to be careful with shit like that, the copyright law. Um, it's okay. It's fine. It didn't even, it, it like popped into my brain all of a sudden. And I'm glad it did pop into my brain because that would have been no good. That would have been no bad. That would have been really terrible. Um, you can only use like 10% um, of anybody else's work in your own. Um, and even if uh, you can't hear it with your headphones, I can hear it with mine, which means that there are probably listeners out there who could hear it. Um, <laughs> d- depending on the quality of your um, headgear, so to speak. But uh, it's, um, <clears throat> you, yeah, you, you got to be super careful with that shit. Super careful because Disney likes to sue people. Yeah, and I hear a lot more in the replays than I do live broadcasts, which is really interesting. Sometimes I'll hear myself um, um, moving around when I didn't think I was making that much noise, and I actually was making that much noise. But yeah, you got to be careful with that. Just like across the board. um, Yeah, so... I haven't seen that movie. I'm looking forward to it. I, I know it's on Netflix. I just haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. So I'm going to go over there and probably watch it this weekend. Um, well, since her larger, hairier half is watching a Disney cartoon in the middle of my podcast and she can't talk to me, I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> Not that you're my second choice. Jilly, are you there? <clears throat> Click, click, click. I know I'm not second choice, but I had a mouthful of food. (laughs) (laughs) I hear the beep. I'm like, oh, a swallow, swallow. (laughs) (laughs) I like to take turns with them, you know, if I can, unless there's a topic that's specific to one of them um, that I think that they have a lot to say about. Um, for the podcast, um, and so I like to take turns because someone accused me of. Um, um, she didn't outright say I was being mean to Lady Holder, but it, but, but it was clear she thought so <laughs> because Jilly was a guest two times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and Lady Holder was we probably having a life. Yeah, she was having a life. That was when her her husband was taking her out on dates to the food truck. No, no, that was that way before that actually. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. You went to the food truck tonight. I didn't get any pictures. Not that I want pictures of your food porn, but I kind of look forward to it. <laughs> I don't have a food truck. <laughs> we I don't have any kind of food, food porn, but I didn't get pictures of your food porn, and now I miss <laughs> the pictures of your food porn, and I'm just so yeah. in conflict with myself, and I don't know what to do with it. I'm a girl. <laughs> I'm allowed to want not want things at the same time, at the exact same time. She says on her wall, now I go, look, what is she having? So what is your I'm gonna go look too. Um what is your opinion about um that link did not work out, Lady Holder. Um rewriting things that you've already posted. 
Now my almonds look really unsatisfying. Um, <laughs> well, in general, I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's the that's the that's the fundamental thing is that I don't. And, the only, and I talked about this a little bit once before. Is the only time I've been tempted. Um, if I wanted to, I would. I will say that. So in answer to the question is, would you do it? Would you write a sequel? What would you do? Would you shrug it off? I do what I wanted to do. If I felt like a character's arc was underexplored, they specifically call that a character arc was underdeveloped. Um, if I felt it was underdeveloped in a way that sparked an idea to develop their character in a different story and that was bugging me and I was inspired by that, I'd write the other story. Um, would I edit the other work? If I really wanted to, I would. Uh, it just hasn't come up that I've wanted that enough. It's the only time I've been tempted, it, it was emergent. Um, and this falls into a little bit of what you talked about, which was that um, I, I surrendered to posting emergence before it was ready. I finished the writing, but I knew there was a problem. And I was just getting hammered on it every day. And you know, I had just gotten back into fandom, and I was getting pokes every single day about it. And I just started posting it. I started like, fuck it, I'm just going to post it. I knew there was a problem with it, but I couldn't sort out what the problem was. I couldn't figure it out. And um, and I I had sort of, well, that's not true. I sort, I sort of resolved the problem that there was, and I wasn't really satisfied with how it was resolved. So I went ahead, but I went ahead and posted sort of prematurely um, rather than, because in, and also it's just, it's a beast to edit something that's over 200,000 words and rewrite it. Um and that's like editing three novels. I think it's like two hundred twenty-six thousand words. It's like three novels. So it is. Um, it's just a, it was it was a daunting task, and I just wanted it, I wanted it off my plate. I wanted people to stop begging me about it, so I just posted it. So there came this point when I had a lot of clarity about what could, should, might be different and better, and I had this notion to rewrite it, and then. I sat on my hand because I'd rather put that energy into something else. But if I really, really, really wanted to, I mean, if I really, if it was like bugging me that much, I would do it, you know. So that's that's sort of my feeling about it. I mean, that's the that's what I would say to fashion is that if is if that's what you really wanted to do, do it. Um, if, but you know, I, I I have so many other ideas I want to work on more. Then I want to go back and edit that, and that's and that's what I would say. Beyond that is that uh, do it for you, but don't do it for your reader. No. If you've got some asshole reader who's telling you, "Hey, this is a problem," fuck that reader. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Not literally. There would would be no. (laughs) There'd be like no read. And the thing is, I actually I have a hunch that there's a. This is just a guess that there's a. a, I would say let's let's say it sixty forty percent of my readers would like the revised version less. Do I would I care? No. If I wanted to do it I would. I changed. Let me tell you a story. Sentinels of Atlantis went up. <clears throat> and I was actually on the fence about posting the gathering because um I had a couple issues with it, but um I went ahead and did it and um um, for a while, the gathering was by itself. It was just basically a short story, and no one knew but me that it was the beginning. That basically it was my pilot for Sentinels of Atlantis. I didn't let y'all remind them. 
Maybe. I don't know. That was eight years ago. Things are fuzzy. <laughs> I can barely remember eight days ago, then. so. <laughs> I slept since then. <laughs> and so has she. She's saying not really. But, um... <clears throat> After, well, I had I had a hard drive failure, and um, the last half of Sentinels of Atlantis had to be rewritten. Because um, I had posted, I think maybe 10 episodes, maybe 12, not really remember. Um, and I had a hard drive failure. And I lost all those episodes that were complete. I had a complete season, and I had, one of the reasons why, um, I hesitated in posting um, The Gathering because at that point I wasn't finished with my season. But I finished the season and I was editing it and putting it up as I edited it. Um, and I was about 10 12 episodes in and I had a hard drive failure and I lost the last half of the season. Which was, I don't know, close to 200k of, of episodes. And I was, you know, if you're not a writer, you know how difficult it is to rewrite what you've already written. I couldn't do it. So I had to replot. And it was really a deeply uncomfortable place to be because I had a, um, Sentinels of Atlantis has a very, um, intricate plot. Um, and there are threads that I pull in the gathering that you don't see come to fruition until the last episode. And there are points that you see coming in in episode two or three that don't make sense to you until you read the queen. Because if someone finally caught on to my foreshadowing about the queen, that she's been there the whole time and she's the reason that Peter... Um, came online and was was, was uh, came online so violently, and why he was having that shadow in his mind and why he was so uncomfortable. She's the reason. She was there as a psychic threat that whole time. So and she scared Jennifer just thinking you know just having contact with Peter's mind and seeing that shadow in his mind scared the shit out of Jennifer Keller. And so she's been there that whole time and. I weaved her into all the episodes. Well, there are a bunch of threads that I weaved into all those episodes. And when I had to replot Sentinels of Atlantis, um, because I could not write those episodes again, it was just beyond me. I just, I, I could not do it. I had to reweave that whole plot from the mid-season. And it was uncomfortable. Because I mm. and I still even to this day feel like I've I've let there, that there's something that that there's a thread that I that I started in the gathering that I didn't follow all the way through, um, but that's how you plot a series like that. When, when you're telling a, a series in an episode format, you're telling like I think that Sons of Atlantis is 25 episodes, 25. You're telling 25 short stories, and you're telling one story. So each of your episodes is a short story, and has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And your whole season is one big story, and it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. When I had my hard drive failure, I was in my middle. 
I was approaching the climax um, of my season, and I was going to have a long drop down. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and it was drastically different. The, the Sentinels of Atlantis you got was drastically different than what I originally wrote. Um, because I had to do a complete 180 to get creative about it again. Because I'd already done that. It's 20 episodes. So I think I was like episode 9 or 10. It was, I was at the halfway point. And so I had to replot. It was really deeply uncomfortable. Um, yes. that They were also, um, they were all under 10K, I believe. Um, so it might have been like, like 150,000 words that I lost. Because my, because my season finale was um, big. Bigger than what you guys got in the end. Um, I think my season finale was originally 75K. Because it was like a three-parter. Like it was, you know... Because my original Sentinels of Atlantis ended with... Um, well, it didn't end with, but it the the season finale began with the Wraith Invasion of Atlantis. Wow. <laughs> That's entirely different than what you got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've had, I've had I've had complete emotional meltdowns over losing 200 words. So I, I mean, I've lost more than that before, and every time it's just it always feels like it's emotionally catastrophic. But it's just I've That's never lost that lost. that much. I had and not just, backed up in about a year, and considering you know how much I can write in a day, oh. that's. Just the Stargate fan fiction I lost. I lost two Sentinel books. Um, that I had written that that no one ever saw, unfortunately, because if you know if Lady Holder had seen them, she'd have had copies, <laughs> and I wouldn't have lost them. I lost um, uh, I wasn't in Harry Potter at that point, but I was doing Sentinels and Stargate, um, and I had two Sentinel books. Um, complete books. They were um, over 100k each, but I was really pissed off with the Sentinel fandom, so I'd, I'd put them aside. Um, that's really interesting, Tim OT, because people have often believed that we are actually one and the same person. <laughs> I double birded you, dude. <laughs> What's wrong with sounding like me? Nothing. As long as nobody writes me tomorrow and says, Kira, I'm glad I found the site where you keep your NCIS fic. <laughs> Let's see. But I did lose close to, I think at the time I said around, 500,000 words of fan fiction. I lost um, four professional projects that I had to rewrite because they were all under contract. Oh, man. Because I, I had I not would've... backed up in a year. Um, but now I have Google Drive, and that will never happen to me again because I back up every freaking time I save a file. <laughs> 
You know, I actually, I, I've, I've always, I back up quite frequently. I back, I've been backing, I've backed up quite frequently for a long time. Not as frequently as I think a writer should, because I feel like sometimes that a writer should back up every like hundred words. Because I'm kidding you not, I've had meltdowns over losing two hundred words. But um, after hearing about you losing um, the. Um, the Sentinels of Atlantis thing that I actually changed the way I backing up back up. So not only do I have, um, not only do I back up more frequently, and I back up to multiple different type, multiple different types. So I I also back up at least once a week to external hard drive. Um, yeah, I have a well. hard drive. I have a USB drive in a fire safe that I update once a month, and I I save changes directly to Google. Yeah, so I have I have the Google I have, app on my machine. Yeah, so I have I have that, um, but I also sync. I started so I would say I enabled desktop sync for all my for my um, on the cloud. So all of my computers mm-hmm. have the same desktop now, basically, and same de- desktop mm-hmm. and documents folder. And that actually saved me um, work the other day because my document crashed, and I, it just it was just it was a quirk that it as I thought of it, the thought about the desktop sync. Because um, I had been writing on one system, and I went to the other system and opened up the file, and I'd been working for maybe an hour when my system when I had my system froze and the recovery file was empty, so it did recover a file, but it was blank. And I went to the other system and opened up the file before the desktop could sync again, and copied out all the text that was in that file to a notepad or something, um, and recovered everything I had written that morning, which was about, I don't know, what I think it was, like 7,000 words or something like that. Um, it was most of my first episode of Catalyst was would have been trashed if that blank file had synced across the desktop. <laughs> so... No, I am. I am. I'm. I'm. I won't say that I developed a phobia over losing work, but I did lose close to a million words. Um, both fanfic and professional. Well, I guess maybe it's not a phobia, but you develop a real paranoia about it. Because that, because completed projects plus works in progress, and I have really, honestly, no idea how much I lost on works in progress. Because I don't know from one day to the other, because you know I can write between five and ten k a day, and I had not backed up in a year, and I moved from one project to another. And you so I don't really. It. I mean, I'm saying that one million words is a safe estimate as to how much I lost. Yeah, and people people think you can just sit down and redo it. It just doesn't work that way. Fuck you and your eyeball. That is, oh, that's how that works. It never comes out the same way twice. And sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it comes out better the second time around. Sometimes it comes out worse the second time around. You don't know. But the thing is, nobody goes into, um, um, that situation. You know, whether it comes out better or worse, it's like. You just don't want it to happen. You just don't want it to happen. You don't want that to be the impetus for you to for you to wind up with a better something better. That's just terrible. I mean, I currently have what forty forty. I that's ridiculous. But I have about forty works in progress for the Harry Potter fandom. 
That um, is ridiculous, and young lady. I insist that you get at least three more. You're, you're running light. <laughs> well, those are the ones I'm just actually working on that I've opened up in the past 30 days. It's like you're <laughs> underachieving. But it's ridiculous. But I do think that um, I will never have an accurate estimate as to how much I actually lost. So back up, people. Back But even up. if you're new to the word, it it it's incalculable anyway because you can't put a value on that. No. No. Because it can't be, re- but, it can't um, be recreated. It can't be replaced. It can't, it just can't. It's just, it's just, it's just an, it's just an epic loss. But if I was one of those writers who posted all my works in progress on AO3 to get praise, I would, uh, well, it, um, AO3 didn't exist at the time. I guess it would have all been on fanfiction.net. I wouldn't have lost all my fanfiction. <laughs> Well, I'm not true. okay. <laughs> Let me take that back. Please don't email me. I'm not suggesting that if you post all your works in progress as soon as you um, finish, I don't know, a thousand words, that you're doing it for attention. Not you specifically, whoever took that personally, but. <laughs> There are people who flat out say, they say and they admit that they post as they write because they need the interaction and the feedback to stay motivated. Well, that's side-handed admitting, that's a backhanded way of admitting you need the feedback. So that's posting for feedback. So, you know, which is fine. If that's, if that's your jam, if that's your thing, fine. Just own it. But... Please don't get dependent on that validation because that validation is shallow and it only takes one person to bust that bubble. Mm-hmm. And if you allow yourself to become addicted to that kind of validation, it is very easy for some asshole to come along and, and ruin your motivation to write. It is fickle, Tempest. You're absolutely right. Um, readers are so fickle. I mean, they can praise you in the first sentence of a paragraph-long um, feedback, and then by the end of it, you're the worst horde I've ever written a single word and put it on the Internet. <laughs> this is great, but... <laughs> I wish, 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 wish. And Tony should be an agent afloat. <laughs> I'd be like, I kiss my ass. I don't care what you think. <laughs> you know, this is just an aside, but there is an insidious type of, and we've talked about this before, but there's an insidious type of positive feedback that you can tell how well-meaning they are by just how enthusiastic they are about all the things they're looking forward to happening in your story. I'm so looking forward to this happening and when Tony meets this person and when that happens and when he gets to this and when this and this and this happen and you're sitting there reading it going, wow, none of that's in my plot. (laughs) I mean, not one of those things that you're looking forward to is in my plot. And 
it can be kind of, and I'm not talking about necessarily me specifically, but um, there have been times I've talked to people who, you know, get this really just gushingly positive feedback about, oh, I can't wait until and it's like, and then they talk to me and they go, well, I wasn't planning on doing that. Why does everybody think I'm going there? I go, ignore it, ignore it, just put it out of your head. You're not going there. It's your plot. It's your story. Do your thing. Do your thing. Forget what everybody else is thinking. That um, right there is exactly why Harry Potter ends up going on a fucking shopping trip <laughs> every time right. he goes back in time because people exactly. expect it. <laughs> exactly. I can't wait till Harry gets to go and buy four pairs of black pants and three pairs of gray and two pairs of brown and four pairs of underpants. <laughs> Those lists crack me up. I know. I fucking love it. I think it's, I find these. I'm, I I have the list. You know, when I whenever I've written those kind of story, there I have the list of what Harry gets. I just choose not to share. See how selfish I am? I just don't share. <laughs> I I happen to know Harry's schedule in Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. I know what classes he takes when. But I don't feel the need to put that in my narrative. Because Thank it's not you. important. <laughs> it's only important for me when I'm setting up a scene. Okay, it's Thursday. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. He would be in Defense Against the Dark Arts. This is going to be his professor. You know, that that's what you need it for. You don't need to put it in your narrative. Right. So, like, in 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 the first episode of Catalyst, I have a very detailed timeline of what's going on, and I inadvertently, and anybody, if anybody, I don't know, I'm not saying anybody needs to reread, but if anybody had reread Catalyst, they would see I added a note after the fact that I fucked up my timeline and put the same date on it twice. And I don't doubt anybody else would know that the timeline was too short for the day, but because the thing is that. The thing is, nobody would know because I'm not like I'm spelling out to you. It's Monday morning at this time, and this is happening. And the only person who's aware, of really, of what who's who's where and how the parts are moving when is me. So I have all that information. So I'm pretty much the only person who's aware that I screwed up my timeline, but I still screwed it up. So I went and added a note. The way I fixed it was by changing one thing in the narrative, which is why I made the comment was because I did change something in the first episode which is I had originally had one, two days between Tony being notified of the death and the funeral, and I changed it to one day because it solved my timeline problem without having to ripple out any other changes. And so I put a note at the end that if, if somebody's paying close attention, that there is a change in that, in that timeline in the story that I did fix that because I you know, screwed up my own thing. And sure as shooting, somebody's going to notice that I tweaked that. So I just added an author note to that effect. But there's a difference between what you keep track of as the author, Harry's schedule, the dates and times of your story, how things are moving, and what the reader needs to know. Big difference. Oh, actually, well, I was talking about that whole dark talk about um, Sentinels of Atlantis is after the fact, after I had published the last episode episode 20 I had gone back and done some tweaking on earlier episodes to match the second half of the season 
Because, it, like I said, I'd changed some stuff, and I had some yeah, threads I had to, to pull and rearrange. Um, and there was a line in the gathering, a single piece of dialogue that I changed. Because upon reading it, it seemed a little awkward and out of character for Jack O'Neill to say it. So I changed it. And I'll be damned if a month after I changed it, someone who was rereading Sentinels of Atlantis comes across this scene and immediately comments about the line that I changed because it apparently was their favorite line in the whole fucking story. What did you do, Kara? What did you do? I said, "Yeah, I changed it," and that was uh, that, that was my response. I, uh, what, what? What was I supposed to do? <laughs> Great! Now the chat room is talking about Harry Potter and underwear. Thanks, Azure. They I'm are. Blame you, know, you because. Well, I mentioned that he needed to have underwear that I shouldn't have. And <laughs> and then Temp, you know, made the comment that he definitely needed to buy underwear. And then it's just, you know, you, you can count on that being the segue to things going well, downhill honestly, for this group. Well, honestly, I do think that of all the things that Harry Potter should have bought on a shopping trip, it should have been underwear. Because you know that poor kid's having to wear Dudley's hand-me-downs? <laughs> oh, yeah. Or no underwear. <laughs> He might be running commando the whole time. That kid needs new pants. <laughs> he does. <laughs> That's right. Get the kid some pants. He needs them. <laughs> Just whatever you have, if you've got an inventory of, of Harry's shopping trip, if you've got, if you know exactly how many pair of underwear he got and how many pair of pants or if you, if you know exactly what his class schedule is or whatever it is, you know, you know it. You have the reference. You don't need to share. And there's this inclination we have as writers. It's like, I did all this work. I'm going to share it. <laughs> I did all this research. You bitches are going to have to hear about it. <laughs> you are all going <laughs> to learn every later, Gina I, Yule. I know how to make my own soap. Thank you. <laughs> I can always tell what an author feels like. I... That they that they have spent that they they have spent too much time researching, and by God, their readers are going to learn something. Look, <laughs> I was like, if if I, I, I had to go, if I had to get stranded, I'd be perfectly okay as long as I had Clan of the Caper series. She taught me how to <laughs> hunt and how to skin animals and how to cure animals, hide with my own urine in their brains, and how to make soap and how to. I mean, how to carve my own needles out of bones. <laughs> I can handle this. And me, me, me and Jean in the wild, we got it. <sighs> I'm side-eyeing you. Of course, you're not here, but I'm still side-eyeing you. <laughs> it can fill the word quota. I don't know. That I, I think you'd have a hard time getting it past many publishers today. I want my readers to learn how to make soap. No, there's the internet no, for that. They, <laughs> they can Google. That's why they got Google. Have they YouTube. don't YouTube. 
Speaking of YouTube, I watched a really fascinating video today on YouTube about how to make a knife in a primitive uh, medieval forge. It was very interesting. Now, are you going to put that in a story and expound on it and make all your readers know exactly how to make a knife in a medieval forge? No, but I needed to know that if, um, if necessary, could the company have stopped and made a temporary forge to build, to create a weapon in Hobbit? And yes, they could have. Well, see, there you go. And see, this is the thing, is that you know for yourself that you can answer this question. You don't have to tell people how to forge a knife. And on my Twitter, yeah, it's on it's on my Facebook wall and on my Twitter because I watched it and I liked it because that gave me information that I enjoyed. So click like. <laughs> but it is it is something that I wanted to know because of where I am in a particular Hobbit story. Um, they needed to they need to make something, um, and it needs to be forged. And uh, I, I I need to know if Thorne could actually make a forge, a serviceable forge, in the middle of the woods. And he absolutely could. Um, so I just need, I, I needed to know if, if that was possible. So, And so I found it on, um, on YouTube. Well, he doesn't need to whip out a hand, an anvil and a hammer because um, this is a Harry Potter crossover, so that could be conjured for him temporarily. Um, but I need to know basically about the quality of fire and if the method would be sound and just just how it would work. I I need to see this person doing this in a in an open fire, and he did it, and it was really interesting. I I, I really enjoyed the, the video. Um. But yeah. But I also watched a video on YouTube about how to create a forge in a coffee can. Not particularly helpful on my U- on my Hobbit fic, but interesting nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I get to doing research on YouTube, it eventually devolves into cake decorating. So I'm sure. That, uh, I did end up watching that some more cake um, that Gemma Stafford put out. Did you? With the burned marshmallows, yeah. Hmm, I'll have to look that one up. Did she use real marshmallows? Marshmallow icing whip? Yeah. Hmm. So someday I'm going to have to write a uh, um, something where there's cakes in it. Cakes. And icing, and there's gonna be way too much detail, and everybody's gonna have to suck it up. So I'm like, for this is for all the time. I'm you could do an note. original fic. You could do an original fic where, um, yeah, um, your main character is a, a, a baker. I could, and I'm gonna put. Well, yeah, if I, but if I do fan fiction, I'm gonna put an author's notes. So this is this. All this information is for all the times I had to read Harry Potter's class schedule. <laughs> I like how to cake it. I think she does awesome work. I would not want to eat any of the cakes because I don't like fondant. Yeah, she does too much with fondant. 
I mean, I really, I, her work is awesome. She does great work. I don't even eat around the fondant. Just peel it off. But oh, that she did a really way... cool one with the s'more. She did a s'more, and she used modeling chocolate. Mm. But she did um, giant s'more between two crackers. I would eat any of Vanessa's cakes. Well, almost any. Because she is all about the buttercream. I like Cupcake Addiction, too, but she does weird stuff with with chocolate. She she does get a little bit strange. She did make her own modeling chocolate, which was amazing. Um, But my favorite video to watch when I'm upset is um, the ruffle cake on Vanessa's channel. Which ruffles? The, Which, she has several. The pink ruffle. The pink ruffle that oh. looks like um, the buttercream ruffle that she goes up and down. I just did my finger thing like you can see that. <laughs> no, I don't need a 12-step program. I gotta, I gotta, I'm going to make a cake after the podcast. I've already made my buttercream frosting. It's in the refrigerator. Here we go. I'll share it. I'll share it so everybody can go appreciate it. So you guys can appreciate. Who's Vanessa? Are you kidding me, Allie? Oh my God! Go watch that video. But mute it so you can listen to me talk instead of her. I'd say you need Jesus, <laughs> but you need some Vanessa. Go watch some cake. <laughs> yes, that's my favorite one. That's my buttercream ruffle. That one makes me so happy every time I see it. She has two two that are pink with ruffles, but that's the one that's up and down, so that's the one I figured you'd be talking about. As is just going, sigh. Because she has has to put up with us going cake crazy every (laughs) once in a while. It's not a trap. It's a a yummy trap if it's a trap. But no, I do have, um, I did make some buttercream frosting, and um, I do have it, um, my my house got a little warm, so I have it, um, I put it in to chill a little bit. Um, and um, I'm going to ice a cake. It's chocolate buttercream. Cake yes, style cake equals style Vanessa. Is Vanessa, yes. And Yolanda is how to cake it. Um, and I can never remember the lady who is um, my cupcake addiction. What's her name? I forget her name, too. Um, and, the, and the other lady from the... That we watch a lot. She does, she does all kinds of baking. I have also been watching Man About Cake with Joshua John Russell. Ask me how I know his name because he always says his whole name when he gets started. Hi, I'm Joshua, Joshua John Russell. Joshua John Russell. What's your name? Stephanie Jaworski. Jaworski. She's Definitely the wife of a professional football player, I believe. Or an, a a I like her a lot. I like her a lot, too. She's from Canada. It matters. She has an adorable dog. I don't Greg's kitchen is a nightmare. 
I don't, I don't, I don't click on, I don't click on as a revenge videos. He cut out (sighs) cheese with a pair of scissors. I don't, I don't click on as a revenge videos. The last time I clicked on one of her revenge videos, someone was making a cheesecake in a bucket on a ping pong table. Was it a a ping pong table? Maybe it was some kind of other kind of sporting table. It was. I believe it was a ping pong table. It was terrible. It was terrible. I don't care if they were clean. You probably <laughs> mixed it with matter. a drill. But Greg's terrible. I mean, Greg is terrible. But you know, even though how as terrible he is, by the end of it, his his food does look edible. So it's a conundrum. It's one of those things. It's like he's one of your one of the friends where you know you don't want to know how he got to the end product because if you did, you wouldn't be able to eat with him. Of course, you're supposed to cook with butter by the pound. How else would you cook with it? <laughs> <laughs> you can't buy it by the ounce. <laughs> But I really do enjoy um, food videos on um, um, cooking videos on YouTube. My favorite chef is Chef John from um, Food Wishes. I, I end up cooking a lot of his food. He's he's very informative. His recipes are real guy? easy to follow. Huh? Is he the is he the, the one who, one? who fall, no who falls into accidental porn? Is he is he the vagina gash guy? He is the vagina gash guy. <laughs> he cut a lo- a pork loin once. In a very unfortunate manner, and you could tell um, that when he cut it, he realized what he had done. But it was also an expensive cut of meat, and he's filming this to get paid, so he keeps going. <laughs> and he pretty much owned it. Oh yeah, he did. He totally got all up in that. Actually, that didn't quite come out right. But he did get actually up in it. That's that's very true. He did get all up in his vagina <laughs> yeah, gas. It was. It was stuffed. It was a stuffed pork loin. But it was really good. I had that, I actually did that recipe. I did not accomplish the same look that he got. Um, but I did. I did. Um. <laughs> it was really unfortunate. It was. I think I, I, I he, kind of. Because I'm food. almost I, I blushing thinking about it. I probably blushed the first yeah. time I watched it. It's it's really deeply like oh whoa chef John whoa <laughs> whoa dude what have you done chef John but no I really enjoy food wishes I, I really enjoy food wishes a lot it's it's my probably, probably my favorite channel on um on uh <laughs> and you can't unsee it once you've seen the lady alone you can't unsee it oh, oh there's just no, there's just no going back from that. <laughs> It's great, but he um he but he's an excellent um teacher. You learn um he he shows his failures as often as, as he does his successes, <laughs> which I, I think is really great because you learn a lot from his mistakes um as 
you do your own. And so it's really cool. I highly recommend him. Food wishes. Now, I love to watch cake decorating videos, but I'm never going to learn anything from those bitches. <laughs> because I just can't. I can't even decorate a cake with Russian pipe tips. You can't trust me with any of that. It's going to be, you know, just plain icing. I may or may not do a crumb coat. Depends on who's eating it. <laughs> My husband doesn't get a crumb coat. <laughs> if it's not leaving the house, it gets one. It gets one big icing job. There you go, bitch. Don't say I never gave you nothing. But if it's going to leave the house, it gets a crumb coat. And and he has noticed this. He noticed it. He was like, um, why do the cakes that leave the house always look so much better than the ones that stay here? I said, do you think you're worth a crumb coat and chill? (laughs) 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 He said, I do think I'm worth a crumb coat and chill. I said, I don't know. I don't think so. I I don't really think you're worth a crumb coat and chill. I mean, you know, because then I had to go back and take it out of the refrigerator and, and ice it again. And... <sighs> really? You got to hit that link. I got it right at the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> you found the labia, Lauren? I found the labia right at the labia part. <laughs> He had to keep, he had to keep going, you know, because this is not something he can just. That's a tenderloin roast, yeah, yeah, pork tenderloin. You, you just can't. You had to keep going. You have to keep. <laughs> but it is something you cannot unsee. <laughs> yeah, so it's late, late one. It's just that's always it, not always. Most of the time, ninety-five percent of the time, this happens late at night. And Kira pops in to chat says, you guys got to watch this. Just watch it. Trust me. And I was like, ugh, fine. She can, she can get cake decorating made no problem. But if it's the recipe, I don't know. But so I go to start watching it, and all of a sudden I get to that point. I was like, oh, my God, no. No. no <laughs> the comments no, no. on the video are the best. The and comments yeah, you are the best the comments. the comments are hysterical. Because Chef John has a habit of during his show of rhyming things, but he didn't rhyme anything with that. <laughs> he was like, can't touch it. You are the Johnny Cash of your vagina looking Cash. It's great. I think that uh <coughs> but like I said, you know, the thing is is that if you do go back and make changes, like like I had that one reader and I'm not calling them an asshole. Apparently it, it was their their favorite part and I did edit it out. Um, but but you are going to encounter that one asshole reader who comes along and say, "Hey, why'd you change such and such? I really like. Uh, why'd you do that? I don't agree. I don't agree with your changes. They don't get an opinion about your changes. Well, they can have an opinion, but you're not required to listen to it or read it or pay attention to it or 
even offer it the slightest bit of respect. They don't get a voice. They don't get a vote. No one gets a vote but you. And maybe your mom. That all depends. No. No, not your mom. <laughs> Sometimes my mom might get a vote. Depends upon if she's still playing the you made me talk about centaur porn card. <laughs> you know what, though? Did I ever tell you guys that story about my mom and snowballing? You have told us. I just don't know. I just I just wouldn't have had. I, if my mom asked me what's what snow, what snowballing, I'd be like, Google, Mom, it's a thing, and I'll talk to you next year. <laughs> I mean, you know, you just never know, and maybe it's best, but. Um, I do take heart in the fact that my mother's never asked me about centaur porn. But you got what? Well, that just came from the two of you. You and your mom were talking about Harry Potter, and who, should he should he be able to be with a centaur? And I was stupid enough to go and have the same discussion with my mother. All right, I, thought, <laughs> I blocked that out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks putting it back in my brain. That sorry. I guess that was my I, fault. I'd have blocked I tried to block it out except it still comes up. Well, I don't, I don't think this. we actually discussed the mechanics of the centaur porn. Well did we? I kinda hope you didn't for your sake. <laughs> we did. <laughs> <laughs> my one of the first things I thought is like, well, I'm not sure he's tall enough. <laughs> Mom, shut up. My mom has an extensive Facebook friends list because she plays um, some of those farming games. and She's like a ridiculously billionaire type farmer in one of those games. Um, and she had a person on her fan list, um, on her friends list, um, who was in fandom. And she says, honey, I need you to come look at this person for me because I'm not sure what to think. Because this person had been wrecking um, fiction on her wall. And my mom was getting this, these, these thick recommendations in her um, feed. And one of them was <laughs> Harry and a genie. <laughs> no. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> It isn't the genie the snake? I was like, yeah, the genie's definitely the snake. Um, uh, I was like, so I go over and look at this person's um, um, profile. I thought, Mama, you can't be friends with them anymore. You're going to have to unfriend them. And she said, why? I said, because um, they also wrecked um, Chan. And she said, well, what's Chan? And I had to explain Chan to my mother. And she was like, oh, my God. I had never seen her unfriend somebody so fast in my life. Well, the thing is, is that my mom leaves her Facebook logged in on her, um, on her, um, her Kindle and on her phone. And the grandkids end up playing her games on Facebook and they end up, you know, seeing stuff on her wall. Um, and I was like, you, you, 
you have to be careful who you're friends with because the you know, um, because the kids are seeing these things and um and I, I taught her how to unfriend unfriend but I also taught her how to unfollow if she wants to keep somebody on her friends list for um gameplay yeah unfollow is powerful gameplay yeah um, because um, she was encountering a lot of like Christian propaganda and shit like that too, and it was making her furious. And she'd respond, and then they then they unfriend her um, because she's you know an asshole like me. I can, I I barely fell off her tree. Okay, people, let's put it that way. <clears throat> if you encountered my mother, you would know her immediately, <laughs> based solely on what you know about me from this podcast. Um, you would be like, oh God, you're Kira's mom. She'd be like, Kira who? Like who? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not my monkey. Oh, um, Chan, C H A N. It's pedophilia, Tim. And in, and in this particular case, it was, um, Snary, um, which is Harry Snape. Um, and Harry was a first year. And I remember it specifically because I was like, what is this? And I clicked on it. Because, you know, there's different kinds of snary. Some of it's perfectly legal, if disgusting. Um, and it was um, Dumbledore made Snape marry Harry to keep him from having to go back to the Dursleys. That was their plot. Harry was 11. I'm sorry, Sarah. You're not off, Dark. Not at all. Yeah, so my mom unfriended that person. And, um... Um, yeah, a first year. Um, I think it's disgusting no matter how old Harry is, but that's a particular level of disgusting that I was unprepared for. Um, and I had actually not encountered much Chan in the Harry Potter fandom until that thick. And then it was like the, da- like the dam broke or something, because I saw it all the fucking time. <laughs> or maybe I just never noticed it before, because it is all I fucking saw. So like Where when you is get this shit coming and from? And you didn't even know how many people drive a fucking truck. So you get one, and then like every brother, everybody and their brother got your truck in a different color. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's important that you know that, um, Temp. So don't. Um, it's a it was a good question to ask because a lot of times in fandom. Um, writers will label their thick Chan, and if you don't know what Chan means, you'll 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 be in it reading it, and all of a sudden you'll see something you're totally unprepared for. Oh yeah, that's happened to me the first time because I had no clue what it was. We start talking about this is a, you know this is a Chan fic, and I'm I'm I said, like, I, I know this. I'm reading, I, I'm a, never read anything in fan fiction when you don't know what it is because if you don't know what it is. There's probably a reason why <laughs> it, people are calling it something um, somewhat obtuse. It's to obscure what it really is. So, yeah, I stumbled. And I'm like, why am I reading this this story about this kid, this this child? Why is there a child? Why, why is there a child in my porn? I don't understand. And so I said, well, it says it's labeled Chan. I go, is that what that means? What the fuck? I the first time I encountered it, I was absolutely furious. I was looking for um, 
Well, like I said, I had not seen much before that scenario pick, but I had seen one in particular, which made me look up Chan. Um, and it was, I was looking for hair, for Sirius Rises Harry fix, and Harry was two years old in the story. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I didn't know what it meant. And I was like, oh, cute. You know, Sirius Rises Harry fix, click. Oh, God, that's not serious. Oh, God. <laughs> click out. Yeah, he was too. Ew. Um, According to Fanlore, we have the Star Wars fandom to thank for Chan. The term. I thought it was anime. Well, I say, oh, he said in Western media. If it came, if it said in general the term, um, it says it's from Japanese origin, but Chan is not used as a fandom term genre in in Japan. Um, and is almost never used as a genre marker in Western. Um, Animanga anim- fandoms. It is used in Western media fandom. Um, so in Western, it starts in Star Wars fandom, specifically above the Qui-Gon Obi-Wan slashers, who took to calling young Obi-Wan fix called an Obi-Chan fix, where Obi-Wan was underage and Qui-Gon was his mentor. Oh, I'm grossed out. Yeah, that's really uh. Well... Sometimes you want to know what. Sometimes I just want to know. It's like sometimes when I buy someone on an ABO fic that has just got big consent issues. I just, I just, I'm kind of glad I know that I have the supernatural fandom to thank for that. So I go, thanks, supernatural fandom. You know? <laughs> now we know who to blame for Chan. Thank you, Star Wars. But no, I mean, you know, I think it's important that if you see something um, like Chan or. Um, a term that you're not familiar with. Like, I had no idea what lemons and limes were. But after that whole chance fiasco, I looked before I clicked on a story that was labeled, that it had lemon written in the, um, it was on fanfiction.net, and it had a summary, and then it had a period, and then it had lemon in big capital letters. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? So I went and looked it up, because I wasn't going to have that Chan experience again. And it ended up just being explicit sex. Yeah, and it was like that—that's the adult fanfiction.net site kind of trickling over into fanfiction.net because they're stupid, wanting to use the Citrus system for letting people know how graphic stuff is, and it's just like, oh, stop it. Well, lemons and like, there's actually a whole system: lemon, lime, grapefruit. I mean, yeah, like lemon, lime lime is is slash not not no lime is not explicit. Lemon is explicit. Like very explicit, like very adult. It's like talking about the difference okay. between R or and, and NC seventeen, and grapefruit has rape in it. Oh God, really? I've never, I've yeah. never seen one labeled grapefruit. But what I would say about that is that they did that on fanfiction.net to get around their content rules. Yeah, to let people to let people who had been over on adultfanfiction.net know what was going on. Yeah, I saw grapefruit a couple times in a warning, and as a as a, a warning, I'm like, well, what's grapefruit? So, because I saw it, didn't see it very often, so I had to go try to figure out what the fuck grapefruit was, and um, 
There you go. Anyway, some some scales, the, the scale that Kira linked doesn't particularly, it says it's for bizarre stuff. Um, the site that I saw that specifically talked about grapefruit called out um, grapefruit using that for rape It's non-consensual it's sex. Not yeah, yet, because... Here's our Harvard Dictionary. <clears throat> because it had the word rape in the, in the um, name of the fruit. Oh, God. I see that now. I went over to Urban Dictionary, and they had a, a list as well. Um, I, I find that particularly insidious. If you're going to write rape, you need to mark it. Don't it's be like rape. fucking putting grapefruit on your thick. Yeah. That's ridiculous. But yeah, so if you see something weird on a on a summary or in a, in tags, look it up. Don't don't you don't want the surprise that I had because I was physically ill. I, Harry was too. You can find anything. You can find anything. Googling it. If you really are that Google impaired, pop on over to Minion headquarters and ask us. I can't figure out what this means. Someone tell me. Someone will know. Like, I had this whole thing. I'm going to admit it. I felt kind of stupid after you like, explained it to me. But I I was on AO3, and there was this, um, what was the term? Platonic. Oh, platonic, the platonic the, id? The platonic id fic. And I'm like, so, I'm, so I click on it, right? And I don't even remember what the fandom was. I really don't. I'm not trying to be a fic tease. Um, the platonic id. And I'm like, I'm reading it. Now, I'm reading platonic as in um, no sex. But I'm reading it and I'm reading it and, and oh, sex, sex. Well, this is not platonic. What does this mean? So I go <laughs> to Jilly. I was like, would you look at this and tell me what the fuck she means by platonic? She meant Plato. Ick. Yeah. Plato-ish. Like Plato, like Plato. Twin, so, 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 As in Plato. <laughs> As in of the platonic id. <laughs> I just was not getting it. It was not getting through to my brain. And I was like, this is not platonic. I don't understand. But there was no hyphen between it. <laughs> yeah, Plato like. It's kind of like puss and puss. <laughs> yes. Spell that right, please. <laughs> Anyway, it was just, um, I was really super confused. That's also the night I learned what idfic was. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going, what's an idfic? What's an idfic? So we've looked it up because there's, some, there's, there's things that explain what an idfic is. Um, 
and uh, we're like, oh, well, we all we all we all know that story. We all have we've all read that story. We've all we've all we've all been there. We've all had the. I only have thirty minutes left of Tempest. I don't have time to explain to you what's wrong with people. <laughs> that would be like a ten-part series. Yeah, this is over the next several days. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so it was start. I was like, I don't even know what this means. It was really, I was. And what was really terrible is I was actually looking for, you know, a story with no sex in it. <laughs> That's not what I got. <laughs> you got a lot of sex. There was a lot of sex. There was a was lot sex. of sex in that story. Yeah. Great story. I enjoyed the story. I, don't remember, I mean, I don't remember what it was, though, but I enjoyed it because we talked about it afterwards. I just don't remember now what it was, but platonic platonic, and platonic. Now I'm thinking about platonium, which, again, is not what she meant. <laughs> You know, on the, I was thinking about, just thinking about the subject of rewriting. Um, it's a little off topic of what the person asked. But sometimes you do back up. Um, and, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't happen to me often where I just go, this just needs to be, this just needs to be rewritten. I need to back up a chapter I need to back up a novel. I need to back up something. I need to some, some something or something went awry. I need to back up. I need to rewrite. But when it happens, you just it's it's a difficult decision to make because I think as writers we're very attached to even even stuff we know isn't right. It's it's like it may be an ugly baby, but it's still my baby. <laughs> you know, maybe I don't want anybody to see it, but it's still my baby, and so it's very difficult to back up and start again. Um. But sometimes it's the right decision, and I had that moment with this rough trade because I I I jumped in just gangbusters with the writing, and I got I don't know I don't remember how far I got I I want to say I got seven thousand words because I know I backed up five thousand words, and I think I kept sixteen hundred. Um, huh. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> But the thing is, what I was getting, what I was so excited for, was not even my first episode. I, everything I had done that I was excited about, in my plotting, was all second and third episode. I hadn't done anything in my first episode that I was excited about. So I was like writing this first episode as a bridge to um, get to the second episode. And so I get about seven thousand words in, and I stop. No, no, I wasn't pantsing. I'd plotted it. Um, and I thought, and I realized I hated it. I hated it. I I don't think I've ever written anything I disliked quite as much <laughs> as what I had written <laughs> for that first episode. And um, I could have I could have just posted it. I could, and I could that, that and you have that moment of decision. And there's not there's no right or wrong decision, right? There's no right answer at that moment when you have to make a decision. Is do I keep going and just let it be what it is? Um, do I keep going and deal with it later and try to edit, fix it in an edit? Do I back up to the beginning of the problem and start the writing again? Do I try to edit what's here and see if I can fix it? What do I do? 
Um, and whatever answer you come to when you have a moment like that, there's no right or wrong answer. There's just whatever you decide to do is what you decide to do. And what I decided to do was just throw it out and rewrite it. And I started, I, I kept the first scene with Tony's friend Nate. I kept that. That's the only thing I kept. Everything else I got rid of. Um, and I think that first scene's like 15 or 1,600 words. Everything else I got rid of, I threw, out, threw it out. Um, I, and I don't, I don't think I even took any lines from, from the rest of it. I just wholesale started over. I didn't even try to edit it. Because that's how, that's how, my, that's how, that's how I felt like if I didn't, um, I could have gone forward and tried to edit it later, but I felt like it would have affected the rest of the series negatively. It's always wondering how much, what's the changes in that first episode going to, how's it going to roll out to the rest of the series later? And I just plot too much to have that kind of unknown. So I felt like I had to go back and replot that first episode and redo it. And I think it was a good decision. Um, so sometimes, I mean, this, this, was, this wasn't a case, to Fashion's question, this wasn't a case of a finished work where I went, oh, I'm going to go back and redo it. But, you know, the episode only wound up being 10,000 words, and I threw away 5,000 words, basically. So I checked out a lot. I basically rewrote it um, because I wanted to like it. That's why I did it over. And sometimes that's the, that's the only that's the only reason you have is because that's what you want to do. And I wanted to have a better maybe a better foundation for the rest of the series. I don't know, but I just wanted to like that first episode, so I redid it. I don't like my third episode. You don't like your third? Mm-mm. I don't. That's the one. It's where off you... somehow. I don't know how. That's it's the off. one where you. That's that's Fury, right? The one where there's the the murder. That's the third one. Is that what it's called? Feral. Feral. Um. There's there's something about it that's off. There's a there's a there's a tone problem, and when you have a problem with your tone, um, <laughs> those of you who are reading Rough Trade are probably the only ones who'll ever see that particular episode because when I get ready to put on my own website, what happens on the web it it may not appear again on my website in in, in that form because there's something about the tone of that episode that's off. It seems distant to me. Um, I thought about it before that how I tend to write on top of my narrative, but I think I'm like, um, I think I put Everest on my narrative and then and then climb um, and then then climb that fucking mountain because there's something wrong. I don't know what it is, but but I'll figure it out eventually. Um, but there's but something like, tone tone is tone. tone is exactly what was wrong with my first episode. That was the same problem I had. Was I looked at it and I went, "There's some tone is so so off on this. It's so off." That and it was very boring. And it could be the POV. You'd be amazed how often um, changing a POV in a story can impact how the sto- how the how the events play out for your characters and how the events 
um, are perceived by your reader. Uh, and I think that... Um, I think my mistake going into Feral was that... I think that scene with the bodies being with the body being found should have been done in Rodney's point of view because it's distant because it's told from John's point of view and Rodney calls him over the radio and I think that if I'd have brought that open that particular scene open with Rodney discovering the body and the reader being there with him instead of with John um, it would have been more powerful and the and the tone would have been different. But we'll see how it goes I when that. I get I into that. Yeah. But um writing on rough trade um and putting your your rough draft out there is is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it's no well, and can... I've <clears throat> I've never backed up on rough trade before and I and I wouldn't have done it um Normally I, w- normally I wouldn't do that, um, but I think because I replotted, I felt like I was just kind of like replotted that episode. I felt like I was kind of just redrafting a rough draft. I was doing a second rough draft as opposed to um, editing. I wasn't trying to like edit it for perfection. I just was saying first, first rough draft didn't work because um, honestly it was boring. It was boring. I mean, nobody would want to watch that TV show. Um in my first first rough draft, Tony and Steve meet. They, they for starters they get together in the first episode. That was that was the initial first episode. So they they got together in the first episode in the initial plot, and which so of course that change had to ripple out to the rest of the plot once I changed that. But they um, they got together and they met and they had a, a kind of they kind of bonded over John's death and over their anger at Victor and they decided to hunt Victor together and they and it was just it kind of wound up being this very touchy feely around all this anger and grief hunting for Hess together and they kind of this manhunt together while supporting each other around their grief and it was just so emo and boring and I hated it I was so unhappy with it and I was like this sucks people are going to think I've had a, like a personality transplant I'm going to have to cry in a minute <laughs> <laughs> I thought, dude, are you okay? <laughs> Call your sister. Hey, um, can you can you check on her because something's wrong. Something's not right something's over not there. Right. <laughs> and I just, I so I said, you know, I just, I, normally I don't do this on rough trade. Normally I just, whatever it is, it is. I I write it, and I post it. But I am gonna replot. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this crazy, and I'm gonna put. I'm just gonna write it off to not enough caffeine today and I'm going to sit down I'm going to replot and I'm going to have to figure out how this is going to ripple out to the rest of the series and see what's going to happen and um and I got done and I liked it and I was really happy with it so um it was funny I, I was surprised how much humor I was able to break in work into um something that was fairly serious and I was just a lot happier with it I was a lot happier with the the dynamic of the um the episode, the way it went the second time around. So I think it was a good decision. Um, it's just not something I normally do. But I hit that decision point of should I should I keep going, should I edit, should I rewrite, 
And there's really nobody who could answer that question for you but you, as the writer, has to make that decision. Which is what fa- which is what fashion's asking about is, what should you do? Well, only you can answer that. Is what do you want to do? What do you feel like you need to do? What calls do you? And where's your comfort level? Because um, <laughs> I can speak from experience that if you do change something that's publicly available, some asshole's going to come along and point out to you the changes that they didn't like. <laughs> so can you handle that kind of attention? Can you ignore that kind of feedback? Because um, that plays in. Will that yeah. kind of feedback make you doubt yourself, make you uncomfortable? <clears throat> It, it um, because I could have um, put, I could have put up what was there and then rewritten it before it went on my site. It would have been a little bit weird that I had to trickle those changes out to the whole series. And there would have been some people who would have preferred what I origi- the original draft. There would have been some, which was fine. People are kind of can like what they like. I don't have a problem with that. Um, and some people would would they wouldn't have appreciated that I completely dramatically changed the dynamic. We're talking about a subtle change from what was what I originally wrote that episode to be and what I originally plotted it to be to what it ended up. It's not like a little bit of an edit. It was a dramatic overhaul in that episode um, that had massive ramifications to the rest of the way I plotted the rest of the series. So if I had put it up on Rough Trade, which would have been a fine thing to do, and then chosen to and for however many couple hundred people read it on Rough Trade, they would get a different story when they get to see it on my site, some people were going to be disappointed. And that would be a burden they would have to bear because I wouldn't care. <laughs> <laughs> that would be their burden, not yours. Dark ass in the um, chat room, um, do you find tone or pacing harder to nail? Because I've been struggling with pacing lately and everything feels rushed. For me, pacing is a I think every writer has things that come very naturally to them and things that don't. I struggle with tone but never with pacing. I struggle sometimes with external motivations connecting them to internal responses um but not dialogue. I I never stumble on dialogue. I mean, that's that's really rare for me to stumble and have an awkward piece of dialogue. Sometimes my dialogue doesn't match the character. That happens because I have a a, a sarcastic gene of my own, and sometimes it kind of infiltrates my my dialogue. Um, sex is really easy for me to write. I suck at action, <laughs> you know. But for pacing, um, the way I handle pacing, and then I'll let Julie answer this question. Um, the way I handle pacing is that. Um, I'm, I moderate the length of my sentences, um, the types of discussion and the length of responses. When I want a scene to be, to to slow the reader down and, and give them a little breathing room, my paragraphs are a little bit longer, not too long. My sentences are a little bit longer. When the action is, um, when the narrative needs to be kind of ramped up, my sentences get shorter, my paragraphs get a little punchy, my dialogue is sharp, 
and then you slow down a little bit with longer dialogue and pieces of uh, you know information um, and narrative paragraphs. Not too long because <laughs> because there is a fine balance there. And so for me, I I control pace in my story and in my scenes with with actual narrative structure. And that's and that's how I've always done it. Jilly. I uh pace usually when I'm having a struggle with pace, I would agree with a lot of with a lot of the stuff you you mentioned specifically about um sentence length and stuff, but with pace at a kind of like a macro level, um especially if I'm struggling in rough trade with pace, that's a, there's a very specific thing that happens in rough trade with pace that I don't struggle with anywhere else, and that is if I'm feeling rushed in particular. It's that I have more plot than I have word than I have word count, and um, this has happened to me a few times where I am. And it's not so much that the story is suffering; is that it's not my usual writing style to terminate scenes as quickly as I am, um, and maybe it's good word economy. And so it's, it's kind of like I kind of have to kind of set, take a step back and look at it with from like a critical with a critical eye of like, am I practicing good word economy or am I sacrificing my own, my own writer's kind of aesthetic here, my own style um, in order to hit word count because effectively I've got more plot than I, than I should have. Um, I plot something that's a little bit too complicated. Um, So usually if I'm feeling things are feeling too rushed, it's because I'm cramming too much in. Um, So it's a, that's usually it's for me. That's usually a phenomenon specific to rough trade, where I have a a maximum length, and it's only happened to me a couple of times. Um, and I've gotten better about scaling back my plot to not be so. And a couple of times, I just knew the plot was going to be too big going in, um, and I just kind of went. I just kind of said, "Fuck it," going in and said, "This is going to be. This is going to be too big." But I don't like. Um, going in knowing I'm going to fail the challenge, so I've tried to get better about that. Um, but it, the other thing is that sometimes if I am, um, the other thing where I feel like I'm rushing and, and dark surfing actually went to the other thing is that I'm underwriting the exposition, and she did specifically call, she just called that out, is that I'm trying so quickly to move from event to event because of word count that I'm not actually telling as much as I need to. And I, you want to avoid exposition as much as possible, but there are some things you need to tell. Um, and so sometimes I feel like I am, like, rushing. And I'm not sure it's the – and it's not so much a – I don't think it's a matter of the pace of the story as it is a function of how I'm writing. And sometimes it can feel like the pacing of your story is off when it's actually a function of how you're writing it. Um, and how you feel as the author. So it could be more the way, Dark, it may be more the way you're feeling about the the experience of the writing than the actual pace of the story. And that's something I think that only you would know. You just have to maybe take a step back and look at it. Is the pace really rushed and you have under-explained things or... Is there too much plot for the number of words you have? I mean, that's just, you just kind of, that's one of the things I stumble into. Because I'm more like you in that I um, 
tend to have a bigger plot than than I would than I can have in ten or fifteen thousand words, and I'm wordy. So it's um, <laughs> so in the summer. This happens to me in the summer. I start feeling like my pacing is off because I'm writing shorter, more concise scenes. And sometimes when I go back to edit, it is off. And sometimes I go back to edit, and it's right. So it's just a, you know, sometimes you just got to go with it. But if it's super uncomfortable, take a step back and look at it and say, what am I doing, and is this right? Do I need to make an adjustment, or do I just kind of go with it and see how it comes out in the editing? Because, like, all your reasons felt super rushed to me. The pacing felt really insane when I was writing it. Um, even though I knew, I felt like I was doing a really good job. I felt like it was coming together really, really well, but I felt like the pace was just way too fast, and I didn't have enough words. And then when I went and edited it, I went, no, that was good. And I just think that <laughs> yeah. I, it, it was good. It was fine. I, th- I don't think, I didn't have much editing below with that one. I think it was less than 5%. Um, so it's just, you just, it's just, it's a, July is always, um, I call it the tense month. Because <laughs> we, we're practicing, practicing short story, um, short stories and uh, short story word economics. And so for people who are wordier, uh, we're going to feel a little bit more under the gun. One thing, Dart, that I want to talk to you, not to you specifically, but I'm not picking on you, um, it's something you said, you said that you're jumping from a long, from writing short stories to a long story in a multi-episode arc. Stop looking at it that way, because your episodes should be short stories. In a series, episodes are short stories that are connected to tell an overall story. So each of your episodes should be a complete short story on its own. And a single thread or theme can move through each of your episodes and you can still keep them complete. And it might help if you looked at your episodes as if they were short stories instead of treating them like um, chapters. Because they shouldn't yeah, be one, chapters. One giant story you're trying to tell. I mean, the exception if you look at the structure of it, the, the exception <laughs> is that there are, like we see in TV shows, two-episode arcs. Um, but then that two-episode arc needs to tell a complete story. And some shows are very careful about the two-episode arc. Each episode within the arc still is its own complete story. So now some sh- some shows do give you the cliffhanger and then pick up at the next episode. So it depends upon the type of writer the show has. But other than um, the the occasional two episode arc, um, each one is its own thing: beginning, middle, end, climax, falling actions, and then they can build on each other. They they should build on each other. Um, They should build. I mean, you should. I mean, like your your pilot episode should be a foundation. And I know it's really difficult to write a foundation at 15k, um, but that should be your foundation on on which you build the rest of your series. Um, and it each episode should be a short story in the world you built in your pilot to stand on its own. 
and you can weave a common theme or thread through the episodes. And I'll talk about the construction of Sentinels of Atlantis, um, which was a work in progress of a year. Um, and the the threads that you uh, that I start to you know kind of weave into the story in the gathering um, don't. A lot of them don't even come into fruition until the search, which, which is episode twenty. But the gathering is in itself a complete novella. It's my pilot for the Sentinels of Atlantis, and each episode thereafter is a short story told in the universe that I created in my pilot, and they can be read individually. You can go over to Sentinels of Atlantis and pick up any episode and read it as a short story because that was my goal and I, I really hope that I succeeded on that front because I, I put a lot of effort into into making it so um <clears throat> so I, I was uh, something I would say too because I had I've had a couple people talk to me in on Facebook and somebody just mentioned me in the chat room that they kind of hadn't quite processed the episodes thing when they started writing if, if, if you're at the point where we're at the midpoint in the challenge and if you're feeling like maybe you didn't quite get the complete story in your first episode or you didn't quite have that, don't get frustrated, okay? If you don't think you nailed the idea of an episode, of a complete story in your first episode, then finish out that first story in your second episode. Make it a two-episode arc. Get it complete, So you and then maybe you can, you can either combine them in your final edit when you put it on your own site, whatever you're going to do. You could call it a two-episode arc, whatever it is you're... Whatever you want to do later is fine. But take the opportunity when you go into your second episode, if you don't think you kind of got the right flow on the first one or you didn't quite get there, then go to the second one, finish out the first one, get that one whole complete story, and then for the third episode, go build a whole complete story. And just keep trying, I mean, until you get it complete, until you, until you do it. I mean, this is this is about learning and about experimenting and about and, growing, and you'll get it. Yeah, and you'll get it if you keep trying. Don't get bo- you won't get it if you stop. Don't get bogged down in your mistake because if you get, right. if you let yourself get bogged down in your mistake going out of the gate, then you're never going to get anywhere. Right. Um, for me, an episode is an event, and the immediate consequences of that event. So if you wrote 10 episodes, you have 10 major events in your season. And each event builds on another. Like in my last episode, um, the Janai have caught Bates. And when John and um, Rodney go to the planet, two things happen. Rodney searches for his team, and he finds them, but he also finds something else. And John demonstrates, because he has no choice, that the people that Taylor now lives with have the ability to destroy something out of thin air, because he never showed the jumper.
During his scan, Rodney found the pendant. And that's the major um, consequence of the, uh, the Janai capture. They found the pendant. The consequences of finding that pendant won't come to them until episode 10. That's my thread. I've thread the pendant into the episode here, but you won't see it, you won't feel the ramifications of it as the reader until episode 10. But it's just, at this point, it's merely a consequence of them being captured by the um, by the Janai. Do you see? Does that, does that make sense? It makes sense in my head. So I hope it makes sense to you as a reader and as, as a writer. Because um, right now the pendant is just a consequence. And they have time to fix or prepare for, for what is coming or what might come. They don't know if it's coming yet. Um, so just um, when you... When I'm writing a series, after I've planned my big picture, I focus... On something small for each episode. And those small things build. And that helps you create pace in the overall arc of your story. You get the urgency because one event builds on top of another. And that helps you create pace and helps you create momentum um, for your climax, both as far as um, the season goes. This is not an invitation for you to go over to my site, by the way, and to read Sentinels of Atlantis and point out all the things you think I did wrong. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) <laughs> but you're welcome to go read it. <laughs> We're down to a minute and a half. Um, I'll probably do a podcast tomorrow night. Uh, but I don't have a topic, and I am not going to discuss what's wrong with people, because that will take two years. <laughs> I'll just, just 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 go on the Amazon and buy the DSM-5. <laughs> or there you four, go. That's four or five. Wrong. I'll tell you what's wrong. Go, um, go, go to WebMD. You figure it out. Fuck that. Go I to fanfiction.net. All, I'll say, all you need is the Urban Dictionary. I'll tell you what's wrong with people. <laughs> that is an excellent creepy feeling for you to have, um, Hera. Uh, that is an excellent creepy feeling for you to have gotten. Thank you for um, for getting my foreshadowing. Anyways, we're down to 30 seconds. You guys have a great evening. Uh, that was total thick tease. I'm so sorry. Say good night, Jilly. Good night, everyone. <laughs>